Before we dive in, just a quick note that this conversation is made possible by the smart, passionate, and creative folks at TargetX. TargetX is a higher education software company on a mission to transform the way colleges and universities support their prospects, students, and alumni. Each day, the team works harder to become the market's premier solutions for student lifecycle management, from inquiry all the way through graduation and beyond. Learn more about how TargetX is helping schools increase retention rates by downloading their new ebook at www.targetx.com forward slash enrollify. Again, that's targetx.com slash enrollify. Hello and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. Each week, the Enrollify podcast equips you with insights into how the latest trends in marketing and technology are impacting today's enrollment marketers. Every episode is designed to inspire new, creative ideas for how to optimize the resources you have to generate the results that you need. My name is Zach Buzicruz, and I am the host of today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. My name is Zach Buzicruz and I am the host of today's episode. And today I have the honor of chatting with Angela Brown, who is the Director of Marketing and Communications at Flint Hill School. Welcome to the show, Angela. Thank you, Zach. I'm happy to be here. Well, Angela, I want to, I'm excited for this conversation because first and foremost, it's uh, rare. I believe this is actually the first time we've had somebody working in the enrollment marketing space at the independent school level. Um, Most of our our listeners and guests have been people working in enrollment marketing in um, the the higher ed context, whether as a partner, whether as a a practitioner or professional within the space. So I'm really, really eager to kind of talk with you and and hear your thoughts on kind of the current current state of marketing, uh, if you will, uh, in the independent school space. But before we kind of dive into that conversation, I'd love for you to just give us a quick overview of your career to date um, and talk with us a little bit about how you landed at Flint Hill and maybe even just a quick little overview of what Flint Hill School is. Sure. So I'll start with the first part. Um, my career has been very nonlinear, and it's actually a little out of the ordinary for someone in my position at an independent school. Um, I have always been drawn, though, to businesses and organizations that are mission-driven and um, have a, a, a huge interest in technology and innovation. And so that's the one through line I think you'll find with my background. Um, when I finished college, I, and I was a communications major, so I am one of the rare people who is doing for a actually living doing when they communications. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I actually started working in law firms, and I, I worked in law firm marketing for a number of years before transitioning into working for digital agencies and um, companies in the in the IT and um, in technology space. So. For a good 10 years, I was working mostly in B2B marketing for um, a wide range of industries. And then I had a serendipitous call from a recruiter friend of mine that brought me to Flint Hill Hmm. um, back in 2014, which, um, you know, it it feels very long ago and also feels like yesterday. 
Um, so I've been here for six years now. This is my sixth year at the school. And um, I actually didn't know that um, private schools had marketing teams. I was surprised to know that. Um, but it was a happy surprise because it's been a, a really fantastic ride. Um, every year is different. Um, every day is different um, with new opportunities and um you know, new families. And so it's, it's a real pleasure to, to be able to be part of this community. Um, as far as who is Flint Hill, we are a pre-K to 12 day school um, in Oakton, Virginia. So we're just outside of Washington, D.C. Um, we're a pretty good sized school. We have a little under a thousand students. And, um, you know, having that range of the really young four-year-olds all the way up to 18-year-olds definitely makes it um, an interesting space. But um, we are really a school that believes in innovation and empowering our students to blaze their own trails with their educations. And that is something that's true, um, you know, for our, our littlest students um, all the way up to our seniors. They really have an opportunity to make the Flint Hill experience what they want it to be. And I would say that that's true for faculty and staff as well. Weren't you all one of the first, if not the first, uh, uh, Apple schools or Apple certified schools? We, we were definitely a um, pioneer in becoming an Apple distinguished school. Um, we were also um, an Apple site school for the state of Virginia. So for other schools, both public and private, who are looking into partnering with Apple for their device programs, they often come here um, to see what that looks like in practice. So yes, that is something that we're very proud of as well. Very interesting. Yeah, your uh, your Wikipedia page uh, let me in on that little secret. So um, that, <laughs> <laughs> congratulations on that. Um, would you just take some time to help our listeners understand some of the, the current realities of the independent school space? Um, what do you think are independent schools' greatest opportunities and also some of the greatest challenges uh, in, in 2020? Sure, that's a great question. Um, so in terms of opportunities, I think it's almost a new day for independent schools. And what I mean by that is, you know, historically there's been a pretty set paradigm for what a private school is. You know, I think a lot of folks who are not intimately familiar with independent schools or don't have firsthand experience either attending or sending their children to independent schools have this idea of, you know, the the stately old buildings and blue blazers and, you know, a very traditional idea of what it means to be part of an independent school community. Um, and what I have found, um, both having come from a sort of traditional um, private school, I, I went to private schools my whole life in Michigan, um, and now being here at Flint Hill, is that there is a very wide range um, when it comes to independent schools. You definitely have the schools that are more traditional, but you have some that are more progressive, and then there are schools that are in between. And so I think we almost have an opportunity to reintroduce ourselves um, to the broader market and help people to better understand those differences. Um, and even for the more traditional schools, you know, they're doing things that are very progressive and different because that's just the business of education. You know, we have to be responsive to 
our students and families need so that we can prepare them for college and prepare them to go out into the workplace. Um, from a, a challenge standpoint, you know, I think sort of battling with a bit of that um, stereotype about what a, a private school is, um, is one factor, but there are a number of others. Um, you know, rising tuition costs, I would say, is a big one. Um, you know, just like in higher ed, our tuition costs continue to rise and our operational costs continue to rise. The cost of providing the experiences that we provide to our students continues to go up. And, you know, unfortunately, since that cost is not fixed, you know, it, it makes it um, challenging when we set our tuition levels each year to try to strike that balance between, um, you know, ensuring that we can attract and retain a wide range of families, um, but also continuing to provide, you know, that, that wonderful experience that, um, that, that, is so uniquely special about being in an independent school environment. Um, and I would also say differentiation is a challenge, you know, both um, differentiating ourselves from public schools, you know, for those of us who are in areas where the public schools are very strong and differentiating ourselves from one another. Um, there's an increasing urgency and need for us to do that. Um, and so that's where I think having a really strong sense of your brand and um, your institutional values and, and finding ways to help that to shine through becomes critically important. I want to press into that a little bit because I'm curious, what sort of conversations do you all have as it pertains to the brand of Flint Hill and have those conversations changed over the past few years as competition has increased, as public schools, at least in you know some parts of the country, continue to uh, receive more funding and, and uh, have better programming, have better offerings, might you know pull some of your target market into that space. How do you all think about your brand? How do you all think about the opportunity that Flint Hill has in especially this, you know, crowded DC metro area market to shine? That's a great and very timely question, actually, because it just so happens that we are in the process of going through um, really the first comprehensive branding exercise that the school has ever done. And so, um, you know, it's a it's something that's very top of mind for us right now, and it was born out of this question of um, knowing that there are, in addition to very strong public schools in Fairfax County and Loudoun County, um, right here in our backyard, there are about 19 other independent schools that um, are peers of ours, mm. and so all of us um, who, on paper, can look very similar. Um, are trying to attract the essentially the same families. And so, um, you know, there is more competition than there was when, when we started, and um, that's only going to continue. You know, there are new independent schools of various types um, that, that seem to be popping up every year, um, you know, serving niche markets. Um, and, you know, the Fairfax County public school system is incredibly strong. Um, the same can be said for Loudoun County. And so um, we sort of hit a tipping point in the last year. Um, we are 
um, under construction with a new middle school. And um, we actually went through a branding exercise in 2014 when I when I first started. Um, we were at the tail end of that. And I, I view that as a bit of a branding light. It was very much the um, typical um, idea of what branding is, which is changing a logo, swapping out a few colors, playing around with fonts a little bit. But what we didn't do was really assess and claim our position in the market and get to the root of what is it about the experience at Flint Hill that is truly unique. And that is something that a lot of schools struggle with. You know, when you look at websites and social media channels and other marketing platforms for schools in general, I think this is true both in in the independent school space and in in higher ed. Absolutely. It's a lot of features. You know, it's it's about the buildings and the courses and we all have dedicated faculty and small class sizes and all of that is great. But when you're trying to make a decision – um, it's, everything sort of blends together. And so we had to really take it back to marketing basics and get to the root of what are the benefits of the Flint Hill experience? What, to what end, you know, are you, are you getting all of these things, but what, what is the, the crux of that experience and how is that different from what you're going to find around the corner and down the street? Um, and so we've really taken a look at, um, you know, by serving members of our community, by um, holding work sessions, and, and really going through a true branding um, process where it's not just about what you see, but it's also about what you say and communicating the feeling and the ethos of an institution. Um, we're really, really excited that we're finally starting to get there um, with our messaging and um you know, the brand itself is actually going to be rolled out this summer, um, but we've already started to really tease out the salient points and the language um, to help members of our community answer that question of, tell me about Flint Hill or who is Flint Hill? And it's not just about, we have this bulleted list of things, but it's truly um, telling people who you are. And I think when it comes to schools being able to differentiate, that's what really matters. And that's where the rubber meets the road, because on paper, we all have similar offerings. Um, but it's that the experience of Flint Hill and, you know, that innovation, that ability for students to really make the experience what they want it to be. Those are the things that are truly different. You know, it's not just about that bulleted list. And that's something that I think we all really have to think about. Sure, sure. And I think this idea of understanding, taking a hard look at what your kind of core unique value proposition is, is something that's just rocking the entire education space right now, whether that's at the independent school level or the college level, whether that's at, you know, the graduate program level, we, we're seeing across the board in this space, this radical reckoning, so to speak, of who is it that we are? How are we actually different? What three bullet points can we say about us that are different than the institution down the down the street and i think that it's actually a a huge opportunity for the space you know we're living in a world where there is more choice than ever before there's more information than ever before that information is uh accessible in a quicker format than ever before and so i think that 
regardless of school type or school level, there is just this really, really important moment that we're living through where education is coming to terms with the fact that, wait a second, we need to do a better job at communicating our value. We need to do a better job at communicating how our value is distinct and who our value is actually for. Um, And so I'm curious, do you have any, as you all have been walking through this exercise at Flint Hill, are there a couple of points um, or any you know lessons learned that you could share with our listeners who might be going through a, a similar process in their context about who should be at the table? How do you go about even engaging in these conversations in a way that is productive and you know meaty and not just superficial and and light how do you all i guess in your experience who do you think needs to be at that table and what is a good way to kind of measure whether or not you're headed in like a positive trajectory in like making progress through this sort of like essentially a discernment process of trying to better understand who you are and who you're the right fit for that's a great question, and it's it's one that I think is critically important because one of the things that I have seen working in this space in the last few years is that education marketers get very tactical very quickly. And so I'll see questions like, we need to go through a rebrand. Can you throw out a few names of, of agencies that you've worked with? And um, or we need a new logo, or you know, it, get, it gets even smaller than that. And so, something that I think is very important for people to understand, and I'm, I'm grateful that we've had the opportunity to approach it this way this time around, is that branding is much bigger than visuals. And what I mean by that is, it doesn't stop with the marketing or the admission office. It is actually something that should drive the fundamental operations of an institution. And so if you go through a branding exercise and at the end of it, you only have a new logo and a branding guide and you've tweaked your colors a little bit and you've got this great messaging document, that is not where the work stops. Um, and, And that actually should inform who's at the table. Because ultimately, that brand is also going to serve as a guide for the way that you approach decisions, the way that you propose and choose new curriculum, the way that you hire and evaluate your faculty and staff. You know, all of those things are part of the brand. And when you look at really successful, effective brands like the Apples and the Ritz-Carlson's of the world or the Teslas, it's because it's so much more than the visuals. It's the experience you have in a Tesla showroom. It's, you know, the way that the Ritz-Carlton approaches customer service. It's the way that Apple reverse engineers their packaging. It's truly operationalizing who you say you are. You know, it's so much more than than the things that you see on a website. And so thinking back from that, that was how we determined who was going to be part of those conversations. And so we have a group called our Core Four um, that has been on every call with our branding firm. And we are essentially the task force for stewarding the process along. And that team is comprised of me, 
our um, head of school, um, who's effectively, you know, the, the equivalent of a president of a university or a CEO, you know, in a company, and um, our assistant head of school for institutional advancement and our director of enrollment management and financial aid. So you have advancement, you have marketing, you have enrollment, um, and then you have our head of school who is a, a critically important voice in driving the brand forward because if he does not believe in it, it's not going to work. Um, we have also had our assistant head of school for finance and operations involved, and that's very important when it gets to that operational piece that's going to become critical later on. Um, and so it's this balance of keeping things small because you want to be able to move. And even though this will be a 14-month process when all is said and done, we have had multiple instances where we've had to move very, very quickly to make decisions and to move the process forward. And that cannot happen when you are making decisions by committee. Um, you know, so when you when you get these really large groups involved, that makes things very, very difficult. Um, so I think it's important to the extent that you can, um, you know, and not every organization lends itself to this, but to be able to keep that group small and be very thoughtful about who is involved in the decision process and also who is involved in ensuring that you carry that brand forward. Once you do get all of the visual assets, being able to make the decisions about, okay, how, what does this look like with recruiting? What does this look like with curriculum development? What does this look like with discipline, the way that we discipline our students? You know, how, how does this look in all of these other tentacles that go out from the brand once it's been vetted and rolled out? Um, that is something that's very, very important to consider. We'll jump right back into the conversation after a quick message from this episode's sponsor. In higher ed, we talk a lot about the massive disruption happening in terms of how prospective students research, evaluate, and ultimately buy education today. We talk less about the disruption happening on the retention side of things though. Here's the reality. Dozens of software companies over the last decade have claimed to be the solution to our nation's retention problem. And yet we still can't get graduation rates above 60%. While I don't believe that software alone can solve this crisis, there is one company that's decided to put student graduation and graduate success at the core of their mission. And that company is TargetX. With TargetX, you are not simply buying software. You are empowering yourself and your team to take advantage of two decades worth of higher ed experience. Their staff is 90% former higher ed employees who are 100% focused on your success. This means that the folks who work on building these tools actually understand the unique nuances and challenges that exist in enrollment management and in student services. In a world increasingly saturated with higher ed software, it's important that you select a provider who will take the time to understand your context and then empower you with solutions to thrive in that context. And TargetX is committed to just that. Learn more about TargetX's solutions for full student lifecycle management at targetx.com or download their latest ebook on student retention at targetx.com forward slash enrollify. I love the idea of a, a core four where you're bringing essentially, you know, the, the heads of each 
um, of, of really each department within the, the context of the school. And I think that one of the things that I love about what you just said about brand in particular is brand needing to be weight, you know, something that's much more significant, carries a lot more weight than just colors and, 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 you know, typeface. Um, and I love your all's approach because what you're essentially doing is you're getting buy-in, uh, from essentially from the get-go, right? And I think that one of the challenges that many schools make, especially at the college and university levels is, you know, branding is something that's handled by one office, right? Or, or you know, it, it's basically siloed. And I think that we're yeah. living in a time where uh, education can't afford for brand to be siloed because edu- brand, right, really, really needs to be something that is integrated into how that first person, that that prospective student and parent meet, um, you know, in the parking lot on their way in to go tour the school brand has to be represented there. It's got to be represented in the stories that they read when they Google you later on. It is just something that has to be consistent. And if it's not, you all run the risk of not looking authentic or you run the risk of really just blending into the sea of other options that there are as, as you've already alluded to in kind of the K through 12 independent space. And so I love this idea of bringing in the leaders, the decision makers, or at least key influencers in each, you know, department, so to speak, into the conversation about how do we want to talk about ourselves, you know, before we even start to talk about things like what should the color of our logo be. Um, so, you know, power to you guys. Congratulations. I'm sure that's no small feat, uh, especially with all just the coordination involved. But I, I really do think that that is the way in which, especially in the education space, as it gets increasingly competitive and people are constantly, you know, really critically evaluating what sorts of uh, education tactics, what sorts of curriculum, really, you know, whether or not they're they should even go to college, whether or not they should pursue graduate school, whatever it is, there's just a lot of wrestling with the value of education right now. And I think a core way to help prospects, whether they be students or parents, better understand the value is by ensuring that you all, first and foremost, understand the value. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it it has to happen at every touch point because, you know, one of the things that we have been reminding ourselves of a lot is that we are a luxury and we are not a necessity. Hmm. And so, you know, it is, and we're gone are the days where we could just rest on our laurels and assume that, you know, we are all offering something, you know, a a significant alternative to, um, you know, the public school experience because the, the public schools are, you know, they are responding to the same demands that we are and well-resourced schools, um, are able to be very competitive. And, and so, you know, we have the, the dual, um, competition with, with public and private. And so, you know, being able to really demonstrate the value at every touch point, you know, it doesn't matter if our website looks beautiful, if the experience breaks down in the classroom. And so, you know, we have to make sure that we have that continuity. I want to transition now to talking a little bit more specifically about the marketing and student recruitment process. And, 
you know, what, one of the things that I think is, is, uh, neat about the space that you will operate in and also, you know, challenging is that while at the, you know, uh, college and, and, and graduate levels, um, you're, primary target audience is the prospective student. Now, you know, at the undergraduate level, of course, parents are are involved in that decision-making process. But again, communications, the person you're really trying to sell at the end of the day is the student themselves. You all uh, operate in a slightly different context where you're absolutely in, you know, the the market for capturing, um, you know, the the prospective student, ensuring that that prospective student could see themselves at a Flint Hill, is excited to go to Flint Hill, and that you know, student at least in part has some you know authority and or um, you know some 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 weight that they hold in the decision about where they go to school. But right, you also have the the parent, which is the the primary, I would assume, anyways target market. They're the ones paying for this. They're the ones that you really have to convince, especially at, you know, lower grade levels. So I'd love to just hear kind of from, from your experience, having worked outside of the education marketing space to now working, working in education at the independent school level, what are some of the kind of the unique challenges that you've encountered? Um, and specifically what, kind of marketing strategies, marketing tactics do you all employ when you're trying to communicate and and really convince um, both the, the prospective parent and the prospective student of Flint Hill's value? Sure. So it, it, it is very interesting because of the wide age range that that is represented at Flint Hill. And so Within the parent group, we are targeting multiple generations of parents simultaneously. And so you have parents who, for our younger students, you know, it's, it's all digital all the time. Um, they're looking for a lot of that third-party validation. So looking at rating sites and listservs and, you know, um, anything that they can find online is very important. And from an experiential standpoint, too, you know, I think they're really looking, in addition for an academic challenge, they're also looking for a sense of community and, um, you know, really personalized experience for their, for their children and for their family. Um, and so they have their own set of needs and we have our, our parents of, you know, middle and upper school students, our high school students who are looking ahead to college and wanting to be competitive for that. And so they're looking through a slightly different lens. Um, and so we have to be sure that we are connecting with those different audiences in different ways um, and also delivering content and information that is relevant based on where they are in their parenting journey. Um, and then, you know, with the students, it's mostly mostly upper school, um, more and more middle um, where we're seeing that students are not only part of the conversation in terms of where they attend school, but they are actually driving the process and, and driving the decision. Um, and so on an increasing basis, even though ultimately it's the parents making the financial investment, um, there's a lot of autonomy um, with, with these young kids yeah. in, in the decision-making process, which is great. You know, I, I think that absolutely should be the case for 
um, a place that you're going to go to just about every day <laughs> of every year. Um, so one of the things that we've actually done this year is really taken, <clears throat> excuse me, a fresh look at how we make these connections. You know, in the past, I think schools in general have relied on a lot of more traditional marketing tactics. So a lot of direct mail, you know, print ads in your local monthly publications. And, um, you know, that's sort of been the the bread and butter for, for some time, but um, we were finding that that was increasingly difficult to track and, you know, costs can be high. We want to be mindful of being good stewards of our budget. And so we really wanted to double down on digital this year and using um, a combination, combination of digital advertising and um, inbound marketing um, and just really tailored and customized outreach to connect with prospective families and um, keep them engaged throughout the process because that's a that's another thing that I think is really important is that a lot of these families are applying to a number of schools at a time. And so even just being able to help them keep track of all of the schools that that they're applying to and interacting with and, you know, kind of rising to the top of the inbox in a process that can be pretty daunting when you are, um, you know, interested in applying to five to ten schools for multiple children in some cases um, is something that's been very helpful. And so we took a pretty big step back from print advertising this year. We've done some, but um, considerably less than we've done in the past. And um, we developed a series of lead magnets and bound marketing content um, by persona. We wanted to start small. So we did one that was Um, sort of targeting lower to middle school families, one targeting upper, one that was sort of evergreen. And we drove some some Google ads to that. We also created a middle school survival guide that lives online um, with a a series of resources that we've been driving some ads to because that's, you know, we're opening a new middle school next year. And um, that's an age group that we really want to engage. And so um, inbound marketing is something that I had quite a bit of success with in the B2B space. And I've really learned that there is a lot to be said about providing something of value um, to families when they're going through this process. And so, you know, there's a lot of giving, you know, there's a lot of, you know, registering for events and, you know, taking phone calls and submitting materials. And so it's it's nice for them to be able to take a little bit of something in, in that process. And so we found that these resources have been hugely appreciated and we're thinking ahead to, um, you know, what we can offer next year and how we might tweak some of our existing materials, especially through the lens of this branding refresh that we're going through. Um, but we have found that online advertising has been extremely helpful, both in terms of meeting families where they are, um, but also nurturing them through the process, being able to track um, what we're doing and how it's working. Um, and we've also explored a couple of um, paid partnerships with platforms that we found were already effective for us. Um, so earlier I mentioned 
that a lot of parents are using these online review sites to evaluate schools and get that third-party validation. Um, So Niche.com is a big player in that space. And when I was reviewing our website data last year, I noticed that we were getting a lot of referral traffic from Niche. And not only were we getting a lot of referrals, but um, when I looked at referrals that actually resulted in conversions on our website, the majority of them were coming from that site. And so that was a flag for me to say, okay, maybe we should consider expanding that relationship a bit and and see where that takes us. Um, So that is something that's been very effective for us as well. Have you all found especially over just the past couple of years, as students, uh, at least based off of what you were sharing earlier, hold a little bit more weight, have a little bit more influence uh, with their parents about where they actually go to school. Have you all found the need to provide more content, especially digital content, to targeted to the actual students, like your you know guide to surviving middle school? I'm, I'm curious, the idea behind that, was it was it intentional that, or I guess maybe a better way of, of phrasing this question was, have you all found that you all need to do a better job of providing content that is valuable and engaging and helpful to the actual students as opposed to just their parents? Absolutely. Um, and that is actually something that we are looking at making a bigger part of our strategy going into this next year. Um, So we dipped our toes into the water a bit this year, Um, starting with the the middle school survival guide. We intended for that to be um, sort of a conversation starter between the parent and the student um, for folks that are way out in the funnel and really just looking for resources to help them get through what's a really difficult age for just about everyone. Um, And then we also um, played around a little bit with a new series Um, a video series that we launched on Instagram and Facebook where we interviewed our student ambassadors um, for the August to January timeframe leading up to our application deadline. And we found that to be hugely effective, um, both with engaging our current students and, you know, generating some buzz with our, our current middle and upper school students and also with prospective students. And One of the fun things about that is that, one, you know, by profiling these student ambassadors, there's a chance for you to sort of preview, you know, or meet your ambassador before you take a tour with them, which is pretty cool. Um, And we were also able to use those videos um, in a variety of ways. And so we would shoot a version that um, was heavily captioned and typically had a, a call to action at the end. So If one week, you know, it happened to be the Tuesday before homecoming, there would be a call to action to come to homecoming, for example. Um, But then we would also have a version that was edited without the calls to action that our admission officers could attach to an email and share. So if, for example, you are the parent of an incoming ninth grader, and you have a an interview um, and tour scheduled with a student ambassador, we'll say her name is Kayla, then we'll also send you a video of the profile that we did of Kayla so that you can quote unquote meet her, you know, in advance of your tour. And so um, that was something that we found um, the families really appreciated. Um, and so that was a sign to us that, okay, we've got, we've got, 
something that we can take a harder look at um, because that that is becoming an emerging audience for us. And we've had multiple conversations with um, with families where they've told us anecdotally, you know, we made the decision because my child had a shadow day and came home and said, this is where I want to be. And sometimes it's that simple. Um, and sometimes it's word of mouth between students. You know, that student to student word of mouth is just as important as parent to parent. Um, and so finding ways to leverage that and to also um, engage with the student during the course of the admission process. That's another thing that we're considering. Um, and one thing that I'm actually very excited about that's at the tail end of the process, um, but uh, very different from what we've done in the past is that this year for our acceptances, we're sending personalized videos to um, to admitted students. And so these students will get a personalized video with an introduction from the officer that they've worked with. Um, and then a glimpse at what life will be like for them in the division that they're coming into. So we've got some footage of um, classroom life and playground life um, in the different divisions. And um, it's sort of a preview and in addition to a welcome that um, we're pretty excited about. So, yes, that's that's absolutely something that we're looking at. And um, it's really important. It's definitely important. That's incredible. Uh, it will, I'm very curious to see how that tactic works, and specifically from a yield standpoint, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see. I think that that's very smart and uh, very much on brand. So uh, excited to hear how that goes. And you know, it it will just be interesting to see too how independent schools brands continue to evolve, especially their their digital brands. You know, as as uh, students get access to technology and are able to read and surf online at younger ages, you know, I do think that the way in which most independent school websites are written, the copy used, the, the, you know, intended persona is the parent. And, you know, while, you know, the parent is the one making the financial investment at the end of the day, it will be, I'll be very curious to see how schools, websites, and brands evolve to be more attractive and focused to the actual prospective student. Um, so it'll be interesting to, to just kind of see over the next couple of years what happens in that respect. My last question for you is really, you know, in light of the fact that most of the people listening to this podcast are folks that are working in enrollment marketing at the college and university level, I think that this would be a great opportunity for you to share how colleges and universities can do a better job at building relationships with independent schools. And, you know, what do you think or, what you know, what do you wish schools would do more of or, or even perhaps less of as it pertains to recruiting students? You know, you could use Flint Hill students. Um, you know, um, what is it that they should be doing better as it pertains to explaining their unique value? How can they do a better job at ensuring that they're delivering the kind of value, answering the kinds of questions that your students have? Or I guess maybe even just from your perspective, what would be more helpful and what's not helpful as it pertains to colleges coming to recruit high school students? That's a great question. And I, I think truly from my perspective, the most help would be to help to dispel some of the mythology around college 
And what I mean by that is I, I think the college frenzy um, has gotten to a point where it can be pretty unhealthy for the kids. And so helping us to help them to take a more balanced approach to um, the way that they target colleges, um, what they believe they have to do to get into college, um, and also college selection um, would be really helpful. You know, we living in, in the Northern Virginia, D.C. area, it's a very high achieving, high driving place. And, you know, the data nationally around mental health for high school and college students is, is sobering. Um, and so I think there's a real opportunity for us to really partner together to help students to understand that the priority should be really about finding the best educational environment for you, you know, for your undergraduate experience and, um, and evaluating it based on, you know, that balance of what you're looking for in a college experience and what's going to be best for you as a whole person um, instead of just worrying about specific name recognition or, um, you know, I, I, that's where I think branding can be a little tough because, you know, everyone wants to go to a school that looks great on a bumper sticker, but that's not right for everyone. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we really focus on at Flint Hill is that right fit. You know, we want you to go into an environment where you can be successful or you can continue to be successful and build upon the experience that you've had in high school. And I think, unfortunately, there's just so much pressure now um, and a, a very specific idea of what success and achievement look like um, and that it doesn't actually serve the students well. And so I think just promoting that balance and um, helping students to understand that there is a wide range of colleges that are available. There is a right school, you know, for every student and it's worth doing the work to really determine what that might be. Um, instead of jumping to a conclusion based on, you know, societal pressure, you know, I, I think it's really, that's an opportunity for us to really work together and partner and just helping students along to find the, the environment that's really the right fit. Well, Angela, that was fantastic. Thank you very much for your time. And I look forward to continuing to see how Flint Hill School evolves its brand. Thank you for your insights. Thank you for sharing very candidly with us a little bit about your story. And I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day and that we get to chat again soon. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. If you are an enrollment marketer, working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.
Hey friends, just a final thank you to the TargetX team for making today's episode possible. And a quick reminder to check out TargetX's new ebook on five signs of a healthy student journey by heading on over to targetx.com forward slash enrollify. My favorite section is on grit and self-efficacy, which starts on page 17. Check it out today.